Welcome back to the Missing Maura Murray podcast. I am Tim, here tonight with Lance. Lance, how are you? Feeling awesome. How are you? Yeah, this is this is great. I feel uh, rejuvenated. Um, obviously, episode one of The Disappearance of Maura Murray aired on Saturday, September 23rd on Oxygen Network, and seemed like everyone really liked the episode. There was some information that came out that was really intriguing to a, a large amount of the audience. How'd you think it went? I think it went great. And all of the feedback has been, for the most part, very, very positive. I'd say the majority of the feedback has been very positive. There has been uh, a lot of information that's come out. There's been some of the same information that's 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 coming to the surface again. But doesn't it feel different? Don't the comments that are happening right now with the TV show feel different than the comments when we first started doing the podcast? I feel like the the new audience that that has come on is uh, is fitting right in with the audience that has stuck with us during the podcast. Boy, I'll tell you, the comments are coming in fast and furious to both the family Facebook page and also the the Facebook uh, podcast discussion group. I've never seen it this active. So I, I would say, yes, it feels different because there's not enough time for fighting almost. There's there's too many questions, and, and it's people clarifying what, what the questions are, and there's really – People are, are doing well with this because they're not fighting. It's nice. Back when we did the previous episode, we were talking about how, you know, comparing it to, you know, just like the whole journey. And it felt like uh, it felt like we were going into another chapter in the whole story of this. And I did not expect the like you said, the the I mean, the comments are coming fast and furious and and they don't have a lot of time to argue. And I, I think that I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that any arguing point that comes up has a counterpoint that has already been out there based on previous podcasts or or previous uh, previous posts by by various people like like John Smith or Alex or even even James Renner. So the new the new audience comes in and they look at you know the the episode and then they comment on something and there's an instant directory to no uh, check this out over here and then I th- I feel like that just puts the puts the fire out before the fire begins which is which is really cool so we're gonna read some questions here from uh maybe our email inbox Um, but we're also going to play the live show that we did it was a uh, facebook live after show that we did for oxygen and we're doing another one this saturday night after episode two airs so make sure to check that out on oxygen on facebook we'll try to forward the link out on twitter and uh, facebook but it all happens really quickly just so you know um we were we were kind of freaking out uh right before and during and after this facebook live uh event yeah because we were it's amazing to me because we're not in the TV industry, and I guess we we just have a perception of how the TV industry operates. And 20 minutes before the show ended, you and I are talking about this live show, which we had talked to the network about for a long time. And we were just – the instructions we were given was, was very um, very casual. 
And you and I, like, I don't know, because it's new to us, we, we get, like, our anxiety is raised, and the people from the network, this is just their day-to-day business. So they give us the instructions to go on the Facebook Live, and we're not sure exactly how to do it. And then all of a sudden, this this note, this this reminder, this little advertisement pops up on, on the screen of the TV, and it says, join Tim and Lance for Facebook Live. And it, it, it instructs people to go to this, and we're like, what? Like, I don't we even were know. like, we, I guess we have to do it now. I guess we have to go do this right now. <laughs> oh, and man. then, and then it, you start thinking, there's like a lot of people watching this show. And if anybody, if anybody notices a couple of moments of awkwardness, I'll explain them right now. During the conversation, while we were answering questions, which felt like a nonstop, uh, like it felt like nonstop waves hitting us. With with the question, we we knew that we had to keep it to about like twenty minutes. So, um, I think both of us felt like we had to answer the questions as fast as possible to move on to the next question. Um, I felt like I felt like everything coming out of my mouth just sounded like like bah, 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 like it didn't sound like anything. No, it um, did. It sounded exactly like that. Bah, 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 right. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> also, I had my elbows on the table and. And Tim kept um, putting his finger around my elbow in his head. That was his signal for me to take my elbows off the table because I tend to talk with my hands a little bit. And it was shaking the computer, which was shaking the screen. I thought he was telling me to get closer to the microphone. Like my my levels weren't picking up or something. So when you see this that awkward moment, that that's the explanation. And apparently Tim is um, a fan of Buffalo Bill from – Silence of the Lambs and breeds moths because those started to attack my face while we were doing this. So next Saturday, all the kinks will be worked out. Ask your questions. We'll be uh, <laughs> looking for with with no moths and no elbows on the table. And there is video of this. Um, we will uh, play it on on our YouTube page, so you can check that out. I cut the part where you, where I scolded you during the live show about your elbows on the desk and and why I kept telling you to or why I kept touching your elbow because <laughs> I at one point I just came out and just said I I'm touching your elbows so you take them off the desk but then you didn't take them off the desk I got it I got that's that. the way yeah. I talk I have my elbow on the table and I I use my hands I like to put them up and okay. talk maybe okay. you should get a computer that's got some uh, yeah some, no, some base right. to it. It's my computer's problem. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's get into a couple of the the issues that came up. Like, I, you know, I was kind of trying to track the audience over the past few days and kind of trying to figure out, zero in on what issues uh, they found most important from the first episode. And, and we talk about them a little bit in the live show, but we can go a little more in depth here or maybe try to clarify a little bit. So uh, the first one is that the police didn't speak with Julie Murray. They that 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 was that was what Julie said that she never spoke to police. They never asked her to speak to police. Right. We have um, Julie Murray saying that she was never interviewed by police. So the the most we can get in depth on that is maybe someone's definition of interview and a couple of questions is different. But Julie did say during the episode. After being asked, police never spoke to you? And she said, nope. One of the things we were able to get clarification on is the did Mora email death in her family or family emergency. Mora emailed 
that she had a death in her family to her professors, but told the people in person, that includes Karen Mayotte, her boss, and Aaron, who is going to be in episode two. There's a clip that's on Oxygen's site from episode two. Aaron says that Maura said, family emergency, and said, my sister. So it's two accounts now of my sister. So interestingly, Maura tells her professors death in the family. So that's a lie to her professors. But who hasn't lied to their professors about you know trying to get out of class or their teachers? My God, everyone has. So, but, but she potentially tells the truth, for all we know, to the people she talked to in person and on the phone. The thing you have to keep in mind is that we keep saying how unreliable eyewitness testimony is, and we're talking about somebody from from years ago who's saying who's who's probably maybe read something that says death in the family or says this or that, and they might say, yeah, she said family emergency. Maybe she said it or maybe she didn't. It's a little too heavy to rely on, and we haven't seen any emails as far as I know that actually say that she says death in the fa- uh, she says death in the family to her professors. So the emails to her professors, according to the law enforcement, said death in the family, and the people that are the witnesses to her, uh, they give the account that she said family emergency. I don't know if we're like going into the minutia of, of the um, details of this conversation. Are we splitting hairs too much? Does it even matter? But it could be one thing. It could be another. But it's been it's been so long, it's really hard to tell without seeing something in print with a date. And Maggie told us that Chuck West from the New Hampshire State Police Cold Case Unit read it to her and Art, read, read Mora's email to her professors, and it said death in the family. She said they did not see them, but he read it in their presence. So if you haven't viewed the first episode, it is available on Oxygen's website. We will put the link in our show notes. So check out episode two on Oxygen Network this Saturday night. Check your local listings for episode two. We're getting deeper now. everybody this is tim and lance from the missing maura murray podcast talking about what happened in episode one of the disappearance of maura murray on the oxygen network i am tim this is lance how's everybody doing tonight this was a uh, this is a really good episode this was this far exceeded my expectations yeah to be honest aside from it just looking beautiful yep it looks beautiful Yes. The information that they packed into the first episode is uh, is is almost overwhelming, which just means like, yeah, we're going to sift through all of this in the next five episodes, which um, is, is exactly what the case needs. So, uh, so yeah, they, they covered a lot of ground. Uh, they talked to Fred Murray, talked to Julie Murray. Obviously, we're in there. They talked to James Renner. Obviously, it's, it's, it's still kind of set up stuff, right? 
is there any inkling on where it's going? What do you what do you think about where Maggie and Art are, are taking this? Well, I think what they have to do is present all of the theories and uh, scenarios that are out there right now, because yep. those are the things that need to be dissected and and trimmed away. You know, the the noise needs to be cleared up, mm-hmm. and they need to figure out what. Um, uh, what 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 needs to kind of boil down into the facts? So it's okay. it's a good setup for the rest of the series. Okay, so we're gonna take some questions. All right, who do we got? <laughs> so let's see. So uh, how can I see the episode? Check out oh. oxygen dot com. Otherwise, uh, maybe iTunes or Voodoo. I, I was really I was really shocked that Julie said that the police had not talked to her right. in all these years. Julie, obviously Mar- Mara's sister. So she's one of the closest people to Mora in the world, and the police did not talk to her in 13 and a half years. Right. That's one of the things that's kind of um, inexplicable at this point. Why the police would start the investigation and not and, and speak to Fred. Mm-hmm. But as you, as, you, as you know, having siblings, you know that you know that, that you don't tell like your parents the, you know the, the <laughs> Hard secrets, right? Mm-hmm. You need to. You you usually talk to your siblings, so that is a little bit strange that they never once considered just basic questions to Julie. People here are are talking about the the police having dropped the ball on the case. Um, is is that what happened here? Is that is that what what you think happened because they didn't interview Julie, or is there a better reason for this? Let's look at some of these uh, questions here because they're they're coming through pretty rapidly right yeah, now. They really are. So, is this a docu series? Yes, this is six episodes. Um, it's an investigatory series, so we're it's going to keep going forward each episode. James Renner's theories seem <clears throat> extremely far fetched. Do you all agree with him? I don't think it's a matter of agreeing or not agreeing. You have to look at at what's what's obvious, right? You have to look at what's obvious in what you, the the trip, uh, you know, like the actual trip that she took. You have to go back a little bit and say, was it is it relevant the things that happened in her life beforehand, and how much how much do you just take of that as someone who is a early twenties young la- young woman, and mm-hmm. and is that relevant? So. I mean, we there there is a lot of things that you can let your creativity and your imagination run away with you. Yeah. Because we don't have any answers up to this point. Right. Police sometimes consult psychics from Deb. Uh, would they ever consult one? And they they definitely have consulted many psychics. I don't believe the police have well, consulted psychics. Okay, the family well, has. Good question. Yeah, g- good point. The investigation has consulted many psychics, and uh, so I'm not. I'm not sure about the police. We can't say for sure. Yeah, basically, any question that is about the police, like why won't the police release the surveillance tapes of Mora? Uh, they will in other cases. We can't answer that. We can simply say that those uh, any footage that has been released has been released in a um, very strategic way. And to say anything more would be to just speculate and make stuff up. How come, uh, from Jack, how come there isn't more focus on the surrounding neighbors uh, around where the accident took place? Um, and, and I think there will be. Right. Yeah. There's, just to be clear, this is a, a six-part series. It's just getting going. Right. 
uh, from Alex. Now that the Oxygen series is finished, uh, though still airing, are you guys closer to finishing your own documentary? Has this project uh, changed the scope of our own documentary? Um, I would say only in that in that we, we kind of revert back to our original intent, which was the people who uh, were obsessed with this case and who look into this case on a day to day basis. Um, but as you know. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen here? Right. We got a lot of people talking about bus driver, bus driver, exclamation points. It's the bus driver. Again, this is a this is a six part series. And uh, don't be try not to be so quick to judgment on on what you've seen in this first episode. Uh, Every every character that's being introduced has some has something that you can look at and and you can form your opinion as as you dig in a little bit deeper. From Ariana, was Fred willing to talk to this series versus you guys or anyone else? Maggie and the Texas crew give Renner plenty of time, even in this first episode. Yeah, they do. You know, it's a theory and an angle of Mora's disappearance that does need to be looked at. It needs to be investigated and explained, either explained away or looked further into. Uh, So, yeah, they are going to give him... They're going to give them some time, and they're going to look into it. Uh, Fred and the Mari family have participated in this show. So that's that's pretty awesome, because they have a wealth of information in this case. What are your thoughts on the one-hour time frame missing from Craig? What do you think, Lance? Well, the one-hour time frame missing, I mean, clearly suggests, and you can take it as one hour, right? Mm. Or you can take it as maybe 45 minutes, 50 minutes. You don't know the conditions that the – you you know what the conditions might have been during that, that time frame um, with the uh, with the weather and the, and the, and the roads. But um, you don't really know – how fast she was driving so yeah you can probably say between a half hour and 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 one hour um but it does it it certainly does suggest that there was a stop somewhere along the way yeah yeah i'm with you there's something there there's something there's something in that in that mystery right there in that in that one hour that's missing that could tell a lot uh so here's a question from shanna who has not seen the series, can we give a quick update or, or quick uh, mention of what happened in Mora's mystery? So Mora Murray was a 21-year-old college student who drove from the University of Massachusetts to the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and on a hairpin turn uh, near the White Mountains, she spun her car out. Uh, the police were called by neighbors, and before the police arrived, Mora was gone. Right. It's always um, really remarkable to me how many people we encounter that don't know about the case because we're so deeply entrenched in the case. And then to get somebody who says, um, can you tell me what happened is so weird to me sometimes that you'd have to go back to actually formatting, uh, like formulating a um, like a six sentence synopsis, Mm -hmm. because once you dig into it, it gets so deep. Michelle here is saying one hour could have been the ATM or the liquor store. She could have stopped to eat or get gas. And Art mentioned this, and they they debated this in the show. 
it's possible, but we don't know. So it's we, we can't say one way or another that right. that happened. There's no receipt that we know of. There's no credit card transaction. Mm-hmm. So, But this is where the theories start. This is where the spark happens with theories. So now we've introduced this this period of time that could be 45 minutes or an hour. Mm -hmm. And now people are going to say, well, she could have done this and she could have met this person and they could have, you know, gone to a rental car place and done this. So this is where the, uh, this is where the, the speculation starts, but just keep in mind that it's probably, it's probably very simple. She probably stopped to grab some food. Yeah. Could be something simple like that. Why all the liquor? from doreen great question yeah that's certainly one that we don't have an answer to now hopefully the tv show can get a little further with that one all i have to say is if you're asking why all the liquor think back to when you were 21 years old or 22 years old or 23 early 20s and you were going on a trip and you were traveling by yourself and you bought a lot of liquor why would you be doing that yeah uh, from Aisha, do you guys still suspect foul play? And I think that's probably a misconception. I we really have not given our our theory uh, at all. So so I would say no to any question like that. Do you guys still suspect blank? We're going where the information takes us. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Judith, why do you, or what do you think about her sister never being interviewed by, by the police? I guess that's personally. I think that is. Uh an oversight in police work if that is actually the case. Yeah, the, yeah, you're right. They, they, they should have absolutely interviewed Julie Murray uh, mm-hmm. and Kathleen Murray and Kurt and Fred Jr., all of the siblings, just in case. Even if they didn't think there was anything there, you just got to be careful. From Hazel, I used to babysit Maura, Julie, and Kathleen. I grew up next to them, and Fred was always devoted to all of the children, and it breaks my heart that Lori passed away not having any answers. Lori, of course, is more his mom. Do you have your own theory, is her question. And uh, again, I'll repeat, no, not not really. Um, The best thing that we can do for this case is continue the path that we have that 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 we have uh, been on since the beginning, which is to not have a theory and to just try to put forward the most responsible information that we have attained and that that people have brought forward. Um, the production company that made the show and the network that released the show is the best outlet for any answers that might come about in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> my theory is that the people who are working on it right now will have to have the best chance to bring some sort of closure to it. Yeah. From April, I used to live a couple of miles from the accident site. Route 112 is twisty and curvy. I don't believe she was drinking while driving on that road. Told, yeah. Great point brought up in the show, and they really showed it better than anything yep. that's ever been out there is how windy and tw- and Maggie says it in the show, yep. right? She says, I, I would have, if I was drunk right now, I would have crashed before this point. Yep. And without Maggie even knowing that we had said that too, when we first went up there, that mm-hmm. was one of the first things we noticed. Once you start getting into that 112 and you start going around these corners, you, 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 you instantly say, if I was drinking, getting up to this point, I would have crashed a long time ago. Yeah. So, I don't believe that she was as drunk as a lot of people make her out to be. If she was drinking at all. 
Right. Uh, from Sonia, in the show, you guys say you have no theories. Do you guys still have no theories? I would say, yes, that's true. That is true. We still have no theories. We're waiting for the show. I want to hear what happens at the end of the show. Maybe, maybe we'll have a theory at the end of the show. From Sherry, dogs lost her scent. Does that mean she was picked up? Okay, so the dogs within a hundred yards of a hundred yard radius of the uh, accident lost her scent, and usually that's the case. If dogs lose the scent so abruptly, it doesn't mean that if you know she ran into the woods, they would follow the scent into the woods. Yeah. If she walked back to the car, they would follow the scent back to the car. It seems like she was picked up. Seems like it. I mean, just based on but, that's what they said. But the dogs also got the scent of a leather glove that was potentially very new that Mora hasn't worn much. And so there's definitely still some conjecture on that. Especially when having a bunch of other objects and, and personal effects that she had worn in the car that they could have used. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Christy, was there any CCTV from any business along the route uh, before the accident to pass to possibly narrow that hour down? Great question. And no, not that we know of. Not that we know of, but that doesn't mean that the police have some idea or some sort of uh, record of these things. Um, there is the infamous Londonderry ping of a yep. cell phone, uh, and we don't have enough time to get into that now, but watch the show and they'll probably address that and uh alexis says wow with three exclamation points exactly (laughs) okay from scott anything good that comes out of this new focus on the cases because of you guys and james renner um thank you scott i i don't know i mean there's obviously been a lot of attention that's brought been brought on this case because of james renner's blog and because of our podcast so in in some ways that's true but it's definitely not completely true uh at all (laughs) (laughs) right i mean am i wrong no no you're right you're right but there's a lot of other people that help with this that's what i'm saying Yeah, Yeah. yeah so caroline says has mora's computer been checked and we're saying her laptop that was at UMass. Was it a laptop? I don't know that. That they checked her laptop. It was her laptop and not a desktop computer? I've, from what I understand, it was a laptop. Hmm. See, so yeah, you're breaking new information right yeah, now. Yeah. To me, at least. Um, I don't know. We it, it, the, the police have had her computer. So they had her computer. As far as we know, they checked it and they gleaned the information that they can from it. That's all. That's all we have. To tell you about right. it, and they were there were there were searches that were there were searches that they found on her computer um, that have since been explained away or explained in a in a logical way. So, the show indicated that there were some quote unquote sketchy people in the area with skeletons in their closet. Thoughts. I think there are sketchy people with skeletons in their closets anywhere. Yeah, I think you're right there. Okay, what difference can the FBI provide that the police cannot? Great question, because there's been a great effort to get the FBI uh, not so much involved, but to take over this case. Um, so, so what is it that the FBI can offer that the police cannot? I think they can offer fresh eyes. A fresh approach, uh, a non-biased approach. I think a a lot of people, um, whether they subscribe to the theory that the police are covering something up, and I don't think that I'm saying this in a way where this is our theory, 
But people do think that the police are covering something up, whether it's a botched investigation or whether they're covering up for their own. Mm. Um, What the FBI can do is come in with federal jurisdiction and take over an investigation. And, And I think a lot of people outside of that region would like to see that because they feel like the FBI would take charge and indiscriminately get answers. From Rebecca, love your podcast and this documentary so far. The segment with her dad, Fred, was heartbreaking. I hope all the investigation and public interest can finally bring a resolution to her missing case and peace to the family. However, I strongly believe the police are covering something up. Um, the first, first off, yes, the, the scene with Fred was was quite touching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe Mara was... Is she what did she score? 1420 on her SATs? 14. I thought it went up to like 1200, by the way. <laughs> 16, I think. Oh. But that's incredible. <laughs> um, it, it, it was heartbreaking. That scene with her, with Fred, was heartbreaking. Seeing the, the, the pictures that, that Maura drew. Yep. Um, just seeing all the video footage and the early pictures of her, it was. It was touching. Now, I yeah. strongly believe police are covering up something, and this big question is why. Take a take a step back and understand that they they failed to recognize what we all recognize today, which is she's been gone for thirteen years, over thirteen years. At the time, they they are more familiar with cars being left on the side of the road and people abandoning their cars while they sober up and picking them up later on. And if they're guilty of anything before any sort of investigation happens against or towards the Haverhill Police Department, it's they they behaved in a way that they're used to behaving. When you look at the police logs, it says has the has the pers- has the uh, has the female showed up at the cabin, meaning the cabin hospital mm-hmm. or cottage. I'm sorry has has the female showed up at the cottage, meaning yeah. the cottage hospital. Right. They fully expected whoever was with that car to show up later. Mm-hmm. They were just walking around sobering up before because they found alcohol, what they believed to be alcohol, around the car. So you can see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Don't. All I'm saying is just try not to initially jump on that police conspiracy because yeah. you're, you're, you're going to overwhelm yourself. Yeah, definitely have an open mind about that and everything because uh, I think this this series is going to be a real roller coaster. And I, th- I think you're going to change your opinion a lot throughout the course of this series. Hmm. Uh, from Hallie, please, someone explain the rag in the tailpipe. I am confused. Uh, great question. One of the more interesting aspects of the case. Of course, when Mora's car was found, there was a rag in the tailpipe found uh, there as well. Biggest, biggest red herring. Like, Alfred Hitchcock couldn't have written it better. Biggest red herring in the whole case. Rag in the tailpipe. Well, but by calling it a red, a red herring, though, you're saying that it's not a valuable piece of information. At this point, I don't think it's a valuable piece of information. Okay. Well, we won't we won't exactly say why yet. Maybe maybe that comes up uh, later in an episode. Why does bro- Why does Mora's brother refer to his dad as Fred? I find that odd. From Caroline. Sorry, that's a sorry. There's there's a there's a moth in here. There's a pterodactyl in here. <laughs> some for some reason loves my face. <laughs> um, Caroline Mora's brother Kurt is not Fred's uh, son. He is Mora's 
uh, half brother, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so that is why Mora's brother Kurt would refer to Fred as Fred. Uh, so we got a few questions on that from Marianne. Why do you think Renner said he came close to finding her? Because I think Renner thinks that he came close to finding her. Okay. <laughs> um, from Judith, maybe she was walking on the side of the road because she was drunk driving and leaving the accident. What if someone hit her while walking in the dark and hid her body? This is a theory we do hear a lot. Yep. Um, what if what if someone hit her accidentally and then put her body in their trunk and then drove out of the area? All all well and good, but we don't have any evidence of that. We don't have any noise to suggest that that's what happened right so what i say to judith is keep looking at that that's not bad yeah yeah i mean it's not shot down yeah yeah from sarah nursing school nearly drove me to the brink of a mental breakdown i'm speculating that she needed a break and took off for a few days thus the lie about the death in the family and needing a week off and then something went horribly wrong uh no question but a good observation from Sarah, probably something that uh, that is it is a good possibility. Yeah, and that's where you should start if you're looking at this case and you want to, uh, you know, look at it in an, in you know a citizen detective standpoint and with citizen detective eyes. Definitely look at look at that. She simply you just you know you were on the brink of a mental breakdown and she needed to make something up and she needed to get away. So that's a start from there. From Scott, uh, and and probably the last question we'll take here. From Scott, I feel that Mora was a type A personality and a perfectionist. I think the events in the months leading up to her disappearance, credit card fraud, uh, wrecking her father's new car, led Mora to flee because she couldn't meet her family's expectations. What do you guys think? Sure. I think that there were many things that were happening in Mora's life that caused her to... to, uh, to need some time off and that's not even making anything up if you look at the situation she was alone in the car when the car had the accident and she had left so it's like kind of a literal explanation yeah she had pressure on her she wanted to get away and she that's what happened so it was tragic caroline reeves were her credit cards ever used no credit cards or cell phones were never um credit card or cell phone was uh there was never any use on either of those. Yeah, as far as we know, her keys and wallet was never discovered. Okay, I think that's probably one up there about it. You want, you uh, want just one a more real here? quick, this one? Real go quick for one. it. Yeah. yeah, go for it, real quick. Uh, Christina, did they say how much she withdrew from the ATM? Uh, she withdrew most of her money. Um, it was two hundred eighty dollars from her bank account. Yep, most of her money. Yep, as much as the ATM would allow her to take out. I think that's the case. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure that's the case. That's, I don't know. Well, thank you. Thanks be. for backing yeah, me up on that. Yeah, that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> the ATM's at a $280 limit. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening here uh, on, on Oxygen, on Facebook Live. We will be back next week for another Facebook Live. And please tune in next Saturday night for The Disappearance of Maura Murray, Episode 2. There's going to be six of these. What's the time next week? Because it's different from this week, right? It says here 7 p.m. Eastern and a replay at 9 p.m. But check your local listings. Christy, thank you 
Thank you, everybody, Thank you, everybody for watching. Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll be able. To, <laughs> I won't. I won't shake the table as much next time. Thank you for Thanks, listening. Thanks, guys.